Morphin Legacy presents The Grid. Ranger Nation, this is Shatteray22, Vice President of MorphinLegacy.com, welcoming you to episode 160 of The Grid, where we'll be finally reviewing the last 11 episodes of... Joining me in this review is Austin. Hi. And Amber. Well, hello there. So let's not dawdle around. Let's get this party started. By starting our review with episode 12, Ultimate Mystery, written by Johnny Hartman and directed by Robin Grace. So up first is the character focus, which is Amelia. Let's talk about her civilian plot. After a cringe interview with Pop-Up at Barry 62, since he used to work there, for Mystery Buzz, Stan reveals footage of what he thinks is a Bigfoot sighting, which Jane brushes off, but Stan and Amelia decide to look around for Bigfoot, which is revealed to be the monster of the week, of course. They're saved by the pink Dino Fury Ranger, with the two learning not to do anything dangerous, while at the same time, we learn that Amelia's thirst for solving mystery stems from Amelia wanting to learn what happened to her parents, which we are to assume died in a fire because of a stock image of a house. On to the ranger plots. General Shaw, you heard me right, General Shaw Queen. The Beast Morphers mentor informs the Dinofear Rangers there has been a break at the GB facility in Coral Harbor with multiple monsters escaping the facility which was kind of weird. I didn't know that they had a monster facility. I thought they just blew them up. I guess their little jail? I don't know. Scrazzle was arrested. I don't know why they and just blow him up like everybody else. We need him for the future. One of which is a robotic night monster who is seen fighting the Beast Morpher Rangers via unused footage. So it was like a GoBuster monster they didn't use. And I guess that makes it a good reason why they don't show up in this episode. Also, since Coral Harbor and Pydridge are so close to each other, one of the monsters with big feet, they won't let you forget he has big feet, ends up in Pine Ridge, fighting and eventually being defeated by the Dinofury Rangers. General Shaw thanks the Dinofury Rangers for their help, revealing that the Beast Muffer Rangers successfully recaptured all the prisoners, except for one, which we will talk about in The Villain Plot. Nothing from the voids this episode, but we do have a few villains running amok, one of which ends up in Pine Ridge, named Lothorn, who is the nephew of Lokar. I am Lothorn, nephew to Lokar, the terrible wizard. Like a terrible person or bad at magic? He was very good at what he did. Anybody remember him? The big floating head dude. Yes, that was in like two episodes. Was I supposed to? That was a random connection. It really was. I was thinking maybe Lothor. That would have been amazing. That's essentially the name with an N at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see why they made him Lokar's nephew besides, oh yay, reference. He has a big spiky head. He has that satanic face. It works. He fight, fight, fights the Dinofury Rangers while they make fun of his big feet until they are forced to retreat from battle because he's super strong. He does, however, fight Dino Hinge, which he attempts to destroy since that's their connection to the grid. Zato then tackles him to teleport so he can burn some Sentai footage and destroy him. We then learn who was the culprit of the jailbreak. It was Lord Zed. 
Dum, dum, dum. And he broke out our boy Scrozzle. Double dum, dum, dum. Scrozzy! The Razzmatazz is back! So let's talk about some funny funnies. But not really, because it's Pop-Up. Pop-Up does some wacky shit in a hazmat suit at Area 62. And blends some giant berries with Jane. Which, of course, makes a mess. On Jay Bork's face. Because Power Rangers. Why would you make a pie out of berries that probably have nuclear radiation on them? Maybe they ran the Geiger counter over it. He ate one on site at the beginning of the episode. Just popped it in his mouth. He's like... Mm-mm-mm. Not enough for the flavors to melt on his tongue. Some introductions. We got no Sporks piece, but we did have Lothor. Lothorn. See? Why did you name this character Lothorn? I called him Lothor. Prison monster, which was an unused Gobuster monster that fought the Beast Morph Rangers. On to Easter eggs. We talked about this Lothorn. Big spiky guy. He also mentions Angel Grove when he gets eaten into space. And he uses a pocket gigantifier, which was the growing method for Ninja Steel. We also got General Shaw via Zoom call because I guess she couldn't leave Coral Harbor. So there was like a little scene at the end where you see is the GBHQ and it's totally just artwork of the headquarters because they tore that set down after they stopped filming. But that was convincing enough, I guess. Okay, on to highlight. I'm glad we're finally getting a reason for Amelia's paranormal mysteries obsession, her little hyperfixation. It's because of her parents. Which had been mentioned since Mixed Scary Men are in season one. So I guess it's good we're finally getting to this since there's only like 10 episodes left. All right, so on to quotes. Lothorn has a pretty funny one when Izzy asks, So you can destroy it? No, so I can host a tea party for me and the forest fairies and... the Yes, to destroy it! Then maybe some tea. I'm still down for that tea party, girl, though. Okay, so that's the end of episode 12. Not a lot happened, so we didn't really talk about it that much. So on to episode 13, Love Hate. Ugh. This is the only time I'm not for enemies to lovers. Written by Maya Thompson and directed by Robin Grace. So this character focus is Amelia and Ollie. So it's Valentine's Day at Buzz Blast, and they're holding an obstacle course competition. So we see Izzy and Fern, because Fizzy. They even say Fizzy in the episode, so it's canon. I love that. And Stan and Annie. Stan! I love Stan. We stand that twink in a purple hoodie. Mm-hmm. So the lesbians win, of course. Ollie walks in with Flowers, and the lesbians go to him telling them who he wants to be his Valentine, which is obviously Amelia, but she walks into the room. So of course, Ollie has to make someone else up. So of course, this makes Amelia jealous. I didn't know you had a crush. You know, daisies are weeds, right? Hello, Stella, enjoy these weeds. <laughs> hey, I think they're pretty. I cut them fresh myself. <laughs> so you just cut up someone's yard you know what i'm going to novar cafe to give these beautiful flowers to my valentine she's a bitch i mean he's kind of a little bit of a bitch too though no they're both bitches i mean i guess they deserve each other so yeah they go back and forth each other with ollie being even meaner while under the influence but not really because he kind of acts like that already when he's not under an evil spell yeah Let's be real, he's kind of a jackass. We like him a lot, but... I don't. I like Ollie. That's probably an unpopular opinion, but I like Ollie. He's fine. Until Amelia admits her feelings for him, breaking the spell, of course, because it's Power Rangers. And the two start dating now, I guess. Guess mm, that's rose. And then Zato gives a call back to episode three, being like, Looks like Amelia really is Ollie's honey muffin now. <laughs> 
And everyone laughs, even though none of them else were there. Moving on to Ranger plot. Ollie is put under a mind control spell to break into Dino Hands to steal pieces of the Rafcon message for Lord Zed, successfully delivering it to Lord Zed in order to fight his teammates while Amelia and Zato fight Void King and some new generals, which we'll talk about in a minute. After some fight, 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 and spell breaks, we learn with Zato's mind reading the location of Refcon, with the team heading there in the next episode. Onto the Venom plot. Lord Zed arrives in Area 62 with his new general, Scissorai, from the planet Vonix. And the robot with some razzmatazz, Scrazzle! Scrazzy! They offer an alliance to destroy the Dinofarings and split the Earth 50-50. So Lord Zed then reveals Scrazzle will build them a robot army with Voiking offering him blueprints to his former creations. So we're getting some bitches back. While Scrazzle is doing that, Zed gets his other general to mind control Ollie to get him the Rafcon ninja. And yeah, yeah, fight, fight, blah, blah, blah. Moving on. Zed also calls Ollie a good boy, and I about, like, passed away. Hey, power ninnies! Go and see! How'd he know? See what? Him! Ollie? Good boy! Bruh! You passed out in a good way or a bad way? Oh, a good way, honey. On to the comedic corner. Stan and Annie have a funny scene during their obstacle course where Stan is trying to get through it with disastrous results and Annie is very angry. Will you be my Valentine anyway? Seriously, Stan? Not a chance. I would still be your Valentine, Stan. Moving on to introductions. Scrozzle, he's back, back, back again. He's working for Lord Zed now because Scrozzle had Zed stuff and Beast Morphers. And I said this when Zed was like, I got to get my Zed stuff back. He's going to come back and he's going to take Scrozzle out of GB prison. Because he wants his shit back. So yeah, that's why they kept him alive. And they mentioned the Crystal Dimension. So yeah, I technically named something from Power Rangers the Crystal Dimension. Girl, what else were they going to call it? The Piss Yellow Dimension? Dimension? They never named it in the show, so maybe. I don't know why they didn't. They named the Cyber Dimension. They never mentioned the Crystal Dimension in show until I put it in my database. Just saying. Well, don't break your elbow, pat yourself on the back like that. Right? I remember when, when we were hearing about Zed wanting that staff, and then I'm like, hmm, Scrozzle's in GB. There she goes. She called it. She called everything. She called the whole plot. She named something. There she go. But seriously, though, I said this fucking bit by bit of how they're going to do it, and they did it. That's pretty impressive though, right? No, it's just annoying. So like Evox before him, Scrozzle is totally up Zed's ass, kissing his ass, doing everything with his ass. He even says, Evox was nothing compared to you. But, um, don't tell him I said that. Evox took over an entire dimension. And killed a ranger. And killed a ranger. Zed got his ass kicked by Tommy. By himself. So tell me again who's the better villain. Oh, Zed's in Mighty Morphin. Big whoop. But Zed's pretty sexy. I mean, he's literally just like a skinless creature. Yeah, he's pretty sexy. I mean, definitely for the monster fuckers. He got some muscles. He got a dumpy. He does have a dumpy. It's all in that zussy. Grozzle also says, don't tell him I said that. Is Evox alive? I mean, he was just a virus. How do you destroy a virus? We did see the Robotron Maker, so I'm thinking that maybe he's still alive and kicking in that thing. For maybe a future season. You never know. So let's talk about Scissorai and Boom Blaster. So Scissorai is some like samurai looking dude. He puts Ali under a mind control spell. He gets his ass kicked by the Zord. Whatever. He's kind of nothing. He was forgettable. I don't even remember him. But Boom Blaster. Again. A fucking gan. He's technically an upgraded version of Boom Tower because of course he has to have all the boom puns. Is that 
Boom Tower? That tower had no power! You can call me Boom Blaster! So yeah, he's there. He makes his boom puns. He fights the Dynafear range for a little bit and then leaves with Zed to Rathcon. Moving on. Easter eggs. Zed and Scrawzel, I guess. Eh. Highlights. Um, happy we're finally going to Rathcon. Happy to see my boy Scrawzel. And I'm kind of glad Amelia and Ollie are dating only for the fact that we don't have to see them snip at each other anymore. They still snip at each other. They snip at each other, but it's kind of more subdued. Oh my god, Amelia. You suck for thinking ghosts exist. You dumb bitch. Okay, so quotes. Zato has a cute moment where he talked about lichen soup. Stella Novar. Is that a star system where your people went? But why mention the cafe? Maybe they serve Rafcon lichen stew. It's so good that it's actually worth mentioning in a distress call. Void King has a funny line where he says, It's good being this bad. That's a song from Descendants 3. It's good to be bad. It's good to be you would know that. He also whooped Amelia's ass. You'll see why I mentioned this specifically in a bit. Okay. He would have whooped anyone's ass. It's Void King. He's a king. Void King specifically kicking Amelia's ass is kind of important later. Oh, oh sure. Yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Okay, so on to episode 14, Rafcon Revealed. Written by Maya Thompson and directed by Chris Graham. So the character focus for this episode is the Rafcon boys, because we're going to Rafcon. Road trip or interterry space travel trip. So I'm going to mix the civilian and ranger plot because they're kind of together this episode. There's no like civilian plot except for some uh, nerf guns. Okay. <laughs> So the Dynafury Rangers head to Rafcon, which is completely empty. How convenient for something that happens next episode. After learning of its location, while Ion is convinced he is the key to defeating Zed. I say we open up a portal and go now. I know I can beat Zed. The Green Morphin Master said it herself. He was kind of annoying in this episode. Like, this is episode, what did we just say? 14? 14, yes. And you're still being like, I don't know teamwork. Girl. Teamwork makes the dream work. You should know this by now. That's like a season one, early season plot. Come on. Yeah, that is like episode three. That is every episode three of every Power Ranger season. Someone learns teamwork. Yeah. He also pisses off all his teammates. Izzy had enough of his bullshit. She says, All I need is one-on-one with Zed. I'm destined to win. Yeah, you've only mentioned it like a hundred times. <laughs> they fight, fight, fight with Lord Zed and his crew and Zed O'Neill gets his ass fried by Lord Zed with Master Green revealing that she was responsible for teleporting them off Refcon. Oh, and I learned a lesson about teamwork. Master Green shouldn't have gassed him up though because it kind of gave him an ego boost that nearly killed Zedo. All right, onto the Velen plot. Lord Zed and his crew head to Refcon to look for the Sporks machine so Zed could use it to build an unstoppable army, which he has his Zed staff back, right? Can he just make monsters out of objects and have an army? Yeah. But I guess sporks are pretty much indestructible, so they can just keep coming back. That is true. Also, I mean, mucus is literally just, you can't kill her. She's invincible. Unless she touches the cocoon, but we'll get to that later. That had me gagged. I know, me too. Oh my god. I put Boom Tower in the notes. That's how the same they are. That's the same character. It's voiced by the same person. Well, yeah. Boom Blaster, a new general named Nullai, who is fucking hilarious. Oh my god, yes. He is so fun. 
long. He's only in like four episodes, but he loved an impression. So yeah, they fight, fight, fight the Dino Fury Rangers with Zed and Skarzel finding the Sparks Machine, going through multiple battle modes and boom puns until they are successful in freezing Nullion and Boom Tower. Zato and Ion eventually reach them and fail to stop them because he's fucking Zed. Also, Zed is super powerful since he got a Zed staff pack. He fires a blast from his Zed staff when he like trying to fire at Zato. It misses and it hits his general and he just blows up. It is crazy. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> that had me gagged. Y'all are lucky the Morphin Masters saved your asses. Jesus. Onto something a little lighter. Jane and Jayborg in the community corner, they have a little nerf gun competition at Buzzplast. Looks like a little capture the flag with nerf guns. Because Hasbro, with Jane and Jayborg being team leaders, Jayborg gains the upper hand at first, sending a little Trojan horse to Buzzblast, but Jane is able to knock her out of the game. And then she gets the flag, she's dancing down the stairs like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So yeah, she's dancing down the stairs until Jayborg uses her secret weapon, a literal robot that just knocks her out of the game. So I guess Jayborg's team wins. Do you think that's fair though? No, I don't think that's fair because that is not a person that was playing the game. You're just using it to help you out. I'm glad you said it's because he's a robot because Jayborg is a robot. And I feel like if we say it's a robot, then what is Jayborg? She's a humanoid robot though. She's an android. He's just a little thing. Thing. He has a name. He's Cyber Coach. God damn it! Oh, okay. That's an automaton. That's not an android. That's two different things. I love how we're having a little debate over the fucking comedic corner. Jesus Christ! It's definitely going to be a conversation that the world is going to have in the next few decades, though. So we already have AI that can just pretty much replace everybody. So yeah, I'm sure the grid will continue with AI Ray, AI Austin, and AI Amber eventually. We'll just be like, talk about gay shit and Power Rangers, and we just don't even have to do anything. On to introductions. Nullai, voiced by Steve McCleary, who also voiced a different version of this same suit, which was orange instead of green, named Snag Eye. He voiced the Stone Triplets, and he's also a writer on this season, so good for him. Work. On to Easter eggs. This was a little interesting thing I noticed. We see Lord Zed look at the Dino Fury Rangers with his Zed vision. Oh, I don't even remember that. Cool. Yeah, there's like a little scene where he uses it. I'm like, oh, wow. They didn't have to do this. It looks pretty good. So on to highlight. Solon mentions that it's hard work turning a base into a spaceship. Foreshadowing. Probably. We had this gorgeous air shot when the Dino Fury Rangers run up that hill to reminisce about old Rafcon. Speaking of that scene, we also have a great scene with Zato about him reminiscing about Rafcon before the Sporks War. I think that this valley is Imarua, our home city. That's where the Towers of Learning once stood thousand books for every scholar. And there was the spaceport, the noisiest place in town. My family lived at the foot of those hills. And just past that ridge is where the markets used to be. Before the sporings. barely anything left now. Russell Curry really acted as a tussie off. That was a good scene. That was cinema. On to quotes. Lord Zed and Scrozzle have such a great dynamic. One highlight being the scene where Scrozzle says, This thing needs some repairs. It's very old, but it shouldn't take too long. And it could use some pizzazz. Got any glitter paint? 
There's no time for glitter! Javi has a cute little moment where he theorizes about why Rafcon is vacant with him saying, Did everyone go on vacation? To, to another planet? At the exact same time? Stop talking, Javi. Ion calls Zed a meat man. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but then Zed kicks his ass later in the episode and he's like, who's the meat man now, bitch? That was the exact quote, word for word. Well, I mean, he does say, who's the meat man now? He doesn't say the bitch, I am the bitch. Okay, so on to episode 15. Morphin Master G. Wonder what this episode's about. I don't know. It's about so much. She doesn't get a single focus episode, by the way. She does have a focus episode this season where she's gaslit by the Dinofury Rangers when Slider and Mucus use some like hypnotic machine thing that changes their memories. Was that the first half? Yeah, that was the first half of season two. It wasn't that much of a memorable episode, so I can see why you didn't remember it. Written by Maya Thompson, directed by Chris Graham. And this episode's character focus is Master Green and Ion. On to the Zavellian and Ranger plot. So Master Green heals Zeta of all his injuries he got from the last episode. Thanks, Queen! And gives the Dino Fury Rangers the Dino Master Saber. A powerful sword that unlocks a pretty fresh and can perform an attack that can kill any enemy at the expense of the zords and the person using it. Why would you make a sword that does that, bitch? Who would perform that attack, by the way? <laughs> yeah, we kill our enemies, but kill ourselves too. That's not even worth it. Sorry, world. Very interesting. They have this super powerful attack. I wonder if they'll use it in the finale. After Amelia makes it all about her. We already almost lost one teammate today. I'm not going through that again. She always makes it about her. This is the Amelia show. It becomes the Amelia show in the last couple episodes, so pretty valid assumption. Master Blue teleports into Dino Henge at the request of Master Red to remind Master Green that their code prohibits them from interfering with mortal lives. Zato questions this since they were just handing out powers like candy back in the day until Master Blue gives us a lore drop about how this caused evil to rise up, becoming more powerful and successfully killing the other Morphin Masters, forcing them to go into hiding. So I'm guessing this is why we haven't seen the other three. They're dead. Master Black, Master Gold, and Master Pink are all dead. Master Blue then says he's gonna trap Master Green and Crystal because douchebags this season were blue until Zato's like, hey, let's do a clip show retconning dumb shit and make it make sense using the legendary ranger database. Master Blue wasn't convinced because he's like, he kind of showed us that she broke the rules more. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You gave us reasons why we're gonna put this bitch in a crystal. So yeah, he wasn't convinced, so he tries to crystallize her. But she gets away in time and teleports the Dinofury Rangers back to Rafcon, which ends with the planet just blowing up. After mourning their home planet for like two seconds, it's literally like, oh my gosh, it's gone. Okay, back to the plot. You'd think they would have a whole moment for that. Has to move fast, I guess. I guess we have to put in a joke about uh, Aya not knowing barnyard animals. See that team? Zayas too chicken to fight us himself. Moo! Ion, that's a cow. He's still learning his earth animals. Can we please just fight? He's a special boy. So they head back to Earth to fight Zed and the Voids, successfully destroying Boom Blaster before they all power up in their armored forms to fight Zed. Also, want to mention this? This is the only time Izzy gets to use one of the power-ups this season. Only time. That's bullshit. It is bullshit. Amelia got to use two, and then the other boys got to use them all. So what the fuck? They made a figure of a power-up Izzy never uses. That doesn't make sense either. Ion attempts to use the Dino Master Saber's ultimate attack himself, but Mama Green 
Wang comes in for the save, crystallizing her and Zed after a beam struggle. Gotta love a good beam struggle. Turning them into action figures. The Zed figure literally looked like the deluxe figure from the 90s. I think these figures were on Simon Bennett's bookshelves when he was doing interviews before. So I remember it was like, why is there a Master Green figure on there? It was the one they used here. That's something I would want to take too. We then cut to Dino Hinge, where the Dino Fury Rangers wonder what they could do until Master Red and Master Blue arrive to the scene to save the day, releasing Master Green and admitting not interfering was wrong. Perhaps we've been too hard on Master Green. We have to make this right. I'm free. Yes. There is no doubt many Power Rangers would have fallen over the years without your intervention. We were wrong. The rule was wrong. They also say that they'll store it on a secure planet. <coughs> Not secure enough. We were talking about this when we watched it, but Master Red's voice? Master Red's voice is very sexy. Zato also asks if she knows if there are any other Rafcon survivors, and she's like, bitch, I ain't spoiling the season, and leaves. Okay, so on to the villain plot. After Boom Blaster Null Eye Thaw Out, Scrazi informs Zed that the Sporex generation is fully operational, all while the Dynafurage show up. They end up teleporting away before they could do anything, which causes the entire planet to blow up. Because I guess the Sporex generation was connected to the magma flow of the planet so taking that off the planet caused it to blow up which is probably why it's just been sitting there for 65 million years yeah also not a good idea for a device it blows up your planet if you try to unattach it that doesn't make sense to me what's the science power ranger science (laughs) this is the same universe where people can breathe in space so True. They end up teleporting to Earth, conveniently in Pine Ridge, where the voids ain't having it, while Zed tries to get them to ease up by saying he still wants to split 50-50 if they let him activate the Spork generation. But you're like, sure, why not? And they're like, I'm not in the footage. I'm going to teleport away. You do this, honey. I'm like, all right, honey. Boom blaster goes boom. Scrozzle runs away after some threatening running. I'm sure we'll see him again. And Zed ends up in a crystal, where I'm sure he'll be for a very long time. Totally. On to the comedic corner. I guess the closest thing to the comedic corner this episode is some scenes with Boom Blaster and Null Eye. They were kind of the goofballs of the episode. The first one was after they thawed out. Null Eye suggests they hug each other for warmth. When is that thing going to be ready? I need to warm up my circuits after the ranges froze us. Maybe we'd warm up faster if we hugged each other. For the tenth time, no! That sounds kind of gay. It was pretty gay. Are they a couple? Do we finally have a gay male in Power Rangers that gets blown up in like four episodes? (laughs) Word. We love representation. I feel so seen. A villain maybe in a voice. The other one is between Void King, where he talks about Zed stealing his generals. They say, Sorry about that. He offered better vacation pay. Don't forget dental. You don't even have teeth. That was so funny. Not only is such an icon. Yeah. <laughs> On to introductions, the Dino Master Saber. A cool looking sword with a cool coat, but it kills its user. So maybe not use that when you uh, just kill a foot soldiers. Maybe not so cool. On to Easter eggs. We got a little clip show stuff from the Legendary Ranger database where we get some canonically 
answered questions from what Master Green did. So we get three of them. So the first one is the Power Coin Meteor in Grid Connection. Apparently Master Green sent that. Clip number two was Twink Steel. I want to give her a hug for that one. Thank you, girl. But of course, we had to see the death scene. Stop playing me like this. Jesus Christ. Can you stop with the death, please? Thank you for bringing it back. But this is like the third time we've seen that scene this fucking season. Trauma. We also see Izzy's reaction to this because she's a little Steel fangirl and she got really excited to see Steel be a ranger. Wait a second. Steel Silva? He's a star Kung Fugitive. That's my favorite show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Off topic. That was cute. And the biggest one was apparently the rangers that came back for Legendary Battle. That was all Master Green. She sent all the rangers to Harwood County to fight foot soldiers because she knows the Megaforce rangers can't handle that. All these things didn't really make a lot of sense. So they're just adding to the lore. Which is good, I guess. But don't rely too much on it. Master Green did everything that we can't explain. That makes it a little too easy. She didn't do everything. But these three are canonically things because the little gold ball teleportation at the end legendary battle that's the same teleportation effect they use when she teleports the rangers from rafcon and back to rafcon mm-hmm. also someone asks there were more times she interviewed and she was like oh yes implying that she had more to do so i'm assuming she brought back hendrix probably highlights and quote null i had a good line when they got back to pine ridge he said humans and screaming name a more iconic duo iconic get it i uh, he's got a little eyes of Cyclops. <laughs> Lloyd King is an honest to goodness wife guy, but not a bad wife guy. He volunteers to fight the Rangers all while complimenting her and shit. And she's like, sure, okay, yeah, whatever. And he made sure to bring up the fact that he loves his wife more than he loves a good brawl. Aww. It's because he's brainwashed to just be a simp. Hey, don't ruin the fantasy. He is. They're a couple. He just loves his wife. I know they love each other, but girl, he's brainwashed right now. I don't want to be a bad guy. And she's like, no, we're going to engage in my hobbies, killing people. She tactically did brainwash him. She put her in their little pots, roided it up with sporks. If that isn't relationship goals, I don't know what is. Ollie gaslighting Void King when he asked where the Pink Ranger was and made me laugh my ass off. Where? Where's the Pink Ranger? Pink Ranger? We don't have a Pink Ranger, do we? Nope. You're losing it. That was hilarious. Oh, God. We love some gaslighting in this house. My favorite pastime is gaslighting Ray on a daily basis, so. All right, on to episode 16, where we're back to business with Wishful Thinking, aka probably my favorite filler this season. This is probably my second favorite episode this season. Written by Guy Langford and directed by Chris Graham. So the character focus this episode is our boy Javi. Woo! So on to the civilian plot. Javi has been hustling to get some views on a cover he did by a senior named Pete Flash. Should have been Levi. Shut up. Austin has been hearing this from me like forever. First of all, we watched all these episodes when they first dropped. Just binged them all. I heard it then. I heard it when we rewatched it and I'm hearing it again now. I guess Ray wants to make sure that I hear about it because I didn't watch the episodes with y'all. I want to tell our audience too. They have a lot of Levi Weston Easter eggs 
all the time. So yeah, there are Levi Winston Easter eggs in this season, but you would think they would bring him back since he lives in New Zealand. Also, they could have asked him. He might have said no. We don't know that too. So yeah, he starts getting major hits thanks to a wish charm. Maybe we should get a wish charm. Shit, we could use Margaret Hughes. Anyways, which fucks up his teammates with curses until he gets talked into breaking them, losing all his viewers. How does he lose viewers? That makes no sense, but it's magic. So, but getting to perform with Pete Flash after Javi explains the situation, and because he's hot as fuck, let's be real. What you think, Pete Flash wanted to slice? <laughs> Maybe save me a slice. Have you fucking seen Javi? That can turn anybody bisexual. And I hope he is too. Girl, we got 10 episodes of Cosmic Fury. Can we get one episode where he gets a little base boyfriend? Oh my god, if there's an episode when they're on like another planet and he sees like, a cute alien boy and he's like, wait, am I having feelings for this little alien boy? I know it's a little weird because his sister's a lesbian already, but come on, make him bi or gay or something, please! Queer siblings is a big thing. Like those gay twins that were on Ellen that were in Scream Queens and were horrible actors. Like that. Sugar and spice. Yeah, totally. That's a thing. Onto Ranger plots. Ollie, Amelia, and Izzy are all cursed by the Sporks Beast of the Week, turning into items or things after wishing on the wish charms. And this was the best part of the episode. Yes. Javi and Izzy. So Javi wishes for 10th, I mean, 1 million views on his music video, making everyone fangirl over him, with Jane attempting to get him a meeting with Pete Flash. It backfires, however, but not on Javi. Izzy who was holding the wish charm when Hexcurios activates the curse, turning her into a human-sized version of the T-Rex champion sword. It is the most unhinged thing I have ever seen on this show. That was so fucking funny. She kept saying these hilarious lines, like how she wondered how Fern was going to react to her becoming a Zord. Just like, let's just play a little compilations of the shit she says. I didn't know our wishes would do this. Our wishes? I didn't make a wish. All I did was hold your stupid charm. And now look at me. I'm a robot dinosaur. Pardon? No offense, so on. What's Fern gonna tell people if she sees me? My girlfriend is a dinosaur, and I'm fine with that? I don't think so. She might. She's pretty open-minded. <laughs> what should we make him yell next? Room for me in the cockpit, huh? Fine. Deploy me back to base. Well, I'm benched. Okay, and we're back. She also fights its uh, battles in this form because I guess the T-Rex champion Zord ha had some ground footage in Roof Soldier. So I guess this was a creative way to use that stuff. Javi attempts to get out of it. Mama Khan is like, my son's not going to be an action figure forever. So he puts on his coat and then he just kills Hexcurio. Moving on to Ali, the skeptic. He wishes for his mommy because she's all the way in Japan. Good luck with that charm. He really thinks he owned that charm. Of course, he shows up right away with the curse turning her into a I mean action figure. Ollie as the action figure is fucking hilarious too bragging how great he is so nothing has really changed. On the plus side I'm limited edition. I'm worth a fortune but I also only have five points of articulation. Onto Amelia, which was kind of the most boring. Oh my god, that was stupid. It was so underwhelming. So she, she wishes to see her parents, even if for a moment. But interestingly enough, the Void show up right after this. I'm sure that's not related in any way. No. That's not going to be anything later. So she turned into like, I don't know, maybe like a 14 or 15 year old girl. Why? Like, that offered nothing. She gets, like, what, maybe three or four years younger? I don't know. She didn't leave an impact. She didn't really have any line. The others all had such funny dialogue. She was just 
there. Yeah, but she's like, yeah, I'm gonna sit this out, guys. Why? Because you're a little younger? Okay. They should have turned her into like a monster or something or a ghost. Something more fun. Like, I don't even know. It should have gave. But then she notices something at the end. She's like, why did everyone get their wishes but me? You'll see later on her wish technically came true, but she didn't know it. On to the villain plot. Boyd Queenie has really seduced Sporks Beast, the first in like four episodes, named Hexcurio, who has the ability to make anyone's wish come true with his wish charms. Deja vu, I feel like I've seen an episode of a dinosaur season with wish charms that make people's wishes come true with a caveat. Hmm. But at the cost of a curse of his choosing, Mucus is the first victim of this, wishing for a fantabulous hat for the price of turning her human. And her human look slayed. It was so cute. And she hated being human, which is also hilarious. She was not having it. Mucus, is that you? Don't look at me. I'm hideous. <laughs> she was like, ew. This is gross. I hate this so much. She would not sing a song about how great it is to be human. It's great to be slime. It's great to be a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> she does use it to her invention. She pretends to be a street vendor selling the wish charms to the Dino Fury Rangers. Wish on a charm and your dreams will come true. Very rare. But they're only $2 each. Why do you talk like that? To be dramatic. And after all these shenanigans, Wreckmate and later Slyther fights with Hexcurio to fight the Dino Fury Rangers. Slyther and Hexcurio get talked into fighting after Mucus wants to break the curse because, of course, when the monster is destroyed, the curse is broken. And also she hates being human. With the boys and Izzy Sorks Rest beating them and little Mika's getting back to her Sporks form. She's so happy. I'm happy for her. Good for her. On to the comedic corner. After Javi video starts to pop off, Jane and Jayborg decide to help Javi with Jane becoming his manager and Jaypork photographing him for publicity photos. Of course, all of her photos are messed up because comic relief. But Javi, the perfect being that he is, takes the perfect photo when he tries to catch camera that Jaybor just throws. There's no effing way. He's just that good. That was crazy. It's falling with style. Okay, so on to introductions. The Sporks piece of the week is Hexcurio, voiced by Paul Barrett, who also voiced two shark monsters, Megalodor and Dino Thunder and Thresher and SPD. And we also got Dino Master Mode for Javi this episode for the first time. That's why I said he put on his coat. You know, I don't know why. I always think of that shark monster from Dino Thunder. Because that episode he's in is iconic. Ocean Alert. That is a good episode. It is a very good episode. Some highlights. Human Mucus and Izzy Saurus Rex were fucking hilarious this episode. Human Mucus actually was played by her voice actress, Torm Henge. And she fucking killed it this entire episode. She left no crumbs. She knew the assignment and she hammed it the fuck up. Jane has a really funny moment when she's talking about making Javi a star and like chimes in and corrects her about something and she's like, You're gonna be a star. Nope. You'll be brighter than a star. You'll be like the sun. The sun is a star. Don't ruin the moment, kid. I also love that the Sporks continue to call Void Queen Mommy. I'd love to fight, but mom says I'm too important. If he's destroyed, then I'm cured. <gasps> Give him a chance, Slyther. He could be a real help. 
fine, but don't tell mom. I mean, Void Queen. So do I. Even Slyther did it once. Speaking of Slyther, though, I was happy to see him in this episode. It's kind of been a minute. He had a cute little line where he was fighting and he said, double and roll, double and roll. Also, Solon got to ride on the Dino Fury cycle. Neat. That was cute. She also called out Izzy for being mad at being a robot dinosaur since, you know, she is one, too. <laughs> That's kind of awkward. Okay, so moving on to episode 17, Things Unspoken, aka the lesbian episode for this half of the season. This one was my favorite. Oh, yeah, this one brought the drama, honey. Oh my god, it was so emotional. And funnily enough, you know, all the episodes about Izzy and Firm are written by the same woman, Maya Thompson. Oh! Because I noticed that because she wrote the Izzy coming out quote-unquote episode, she wrote the dress episode, and she wrote this episode. Well, I think that's good. It's clear she knows the dynamic the best, so. What also helps is there's lady writers. I do like that. Like I said, it was written by Maya Thompson, directed by Charlie Haskell. Come on, Charlie! And the character focus is, of course, Izzy and Fern. Busy! Okay, civilian plot. The lesbians are fighting. <laughs> I don't know why I put that. I just thought it was funny. So Izzy and Fern are discussing college plans with Fern going to the sport college in Oakdale, which is six whole hours away. And of course, Amelia's the one that brings us up. Isn't Oakdale like a six hour drive? Amelia, shut the fuck up up i swear to god if i was izzy or fern i would fucking slap the shit out of her you know that's six hours away right time and place you're causing issues between the couple this episode isn't about me so i'm gonna make it terrible for you no jk I, I like amelia but just fun to think, just do little jabs at her no I, I love amelia i just come on i don't want anyone to think we hate amelia because i like amelia it's just fun to like jab at her when she does something stupid like this we jab at everyone here equal jabbing opportunities for all okay back to the ranger plants we assume izzy's gonna go to this college too but then she's like mm, I don't know. and then of course her dad is hyper fixated on this the whole episode we're back at it again what were we calling him before d-bag garcia back to that d-bag garcia he's back but he's also in this episode because he's got to subtly mention a key for a drill he's using this is important but of course like i said izzy's deflecting until she reveals she did get an acceptance letter but she's hesitant to go since you know she's a power ranger and the villains are attacking this certain city and only this certain city they attack japan next episode but whatever anyways we get some drama from fern who's wondering why izzy's lying to her what else aren't you telling me no it's not like that i promise i'm sorry i just don't know if i can be with someone who isn't honest with me please fern and of course, your dad makes it about him. I just called Oakdale College to find out why they didn't select you for their sports program. Oh, you did, huh? Can you guess what they told me? They said they did select you, but you said no. No? Seriously? I was going to tell you. Why would you turn them down? We've been working towards this since your very first competition. I know. There's just... I've got a lot going on. I don't think it's the right time for me. And this doesn't like you at all, especially the secrets. I'm sorry. It's your mom calling. Oh man, what is she gonna think? Until he gets blasted in a leg, then I guess he snaps out of it. We then get the fight, 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 of course, until we get all tropey, with Izzy trying to catch up the fern before the bus leaves. She's not driving that bus, though, or she's gonna be in jail. He had a gun. What? You gotta be kidding me. She succeeds and says she loves her, too. I love you, too. 
You do? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean, too? I never told you, or anyone, except... I love her. I do. I haven't even said that out loud to her yet. Except the Green Ranger. It's you, you're the- If, if I was a Power Ranger, I couldn't tell anyone. Top secret. And a ranger couldn't join an elite sports program because they'd be way too busy protecting the entire city. Piloting Megazords being awesome. That would be a tough call if I was a ranger. <sighs> Which is something we'll talk about in the ranger plot. Things click, click, click together and then, then they decide to stay together long distance. So the lesbians aren't fighting anymore. Good for the lesbians. Good for them. But you know who is fight, fight, fighting? The Dino Fury Rangers in the ranger plot against the speedy monster. But Izzy's not fighting the speedy monster. She's fighting poor little baby mucus. You leave her alone. She also comes in contact with Fern while she's more. Fern's all like worried about Izzy because she's not answering since she's busy doing ranger things right there. That was so cute. So Fern gets super chatty. Like she's a fucking open book to this person that she just met. She's like, I love my girlfriend to the Green Ranger. I mean, it's, it's easier to admit serious stuff to someone you don't know. Who has just so happens to be the person she's talking about. How convenient. I love that. So that comes back later when Izzy says she loves her too. Because then she remembers she only said that the Green Ranger. So they're like... Hmm. Wink, 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 wink. Don't say anything, but of course you know everything. Wink, 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 wink. And she's not screaming it out loud like Kaylee did when she found out that Chase was the Black Ranger. Chase, you're the Black Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody of the Dinobot, he's a Power Ranger. So Fern knows Izzy's a Ranger. Aren't you glad, guys? Uh, 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 a civilian finding out someone's a ranger, that never leads to anything, right? Well, it didn't in Dino Charge. Okay, so onto the Velen plot. Mikus and the Sporks Beast of the Week, Quickspine, attacks Pine Ridge with Quickspine outdoing them in speed. But fighting the Dino Fury Rangers wasn't the goal of this episode. It was to get the key Warden Garcia subtly mentioned before the baddies teleported in. So they teleport out when they can't find Warden Garcia. Then the voids grill them back at Area 62, ordering them to get the key, which they succeed at, even when Quickspine is defeated. His little eggy just coughs it up when Void Queenie catches it. So yeah, they fight a Sporge Beast and stuff, and it's like too fast, whatever, who cares? On to the comedic corner. Izzy is teaching an online exercise class at Buzz Blast, while Jane attempts to do it too, but of course there's a glitch, and it's all like funny, funny hilarity ensues. Mucus was also a cornball this episode. She was calling out a French mine for talking. Sure be around here. Ranger hotline? Hey, mines don't talk. You're a phony! And she also calls the henchmen hengies. That was so cute. I kept calling them hengies in the notes after this. <laughs> Introductions this week. The Sporks Beast of the Week. Quick Spine. Voiced by Paul Waggett. He also played a judge in <laughs> Winning Attitude. Another Izzy and Fern episode. The first one, actually. A judge? Fern was introduced in an episode where they're like competitors and they're like rivals. He was just a judge of the run? Yeah. Izzy and Fern is enemies to lovers. That's true. On to Easter Egg. The Pine Ridge bus station has a list of Power Ranger cities on a map. We see Coral Harbor, Beast Morphers Town, Summer Cove, Ninja Steel. Also, Amber Beach from Dino Charge. That's right. It's me. It's Amber's Beach. 
If you think about it, multiverses, there's multiple versions of that character across the multiverse. So I'm assuming that works the same way as like a town. It's just an Easter egg. I know it's not like the most uncommon name, but it's like, geez, does this bus have interdimensional traveler? They kind of use the Samurai Town, whatever that's called. Panorama City? Yeah, sure. I mean, they name other towns later on in the season. They name paints after them, for Christ's sake. Yeah, they did. That was um a little forest, but... Fern says, may the power protect you. That was so cute. I don't know how she says it, but it was cute. I don't care. Let her be, okay? They were ready to move in with each other. That's how lesbians work. After the first date, they were ready to fucking pack up the U-Haul and let's go. Yeah, this is their third focus episode. I'm surprised they're not lesbian bed death by now. They got some cats. Plural. That's lesbian culture right there. Go to Home Depot every weekend. Alright, we're going too far to stereotypes. We're gay. We're allowed to talk about stereotypes. And I can't wait for the first male gay and then we can talk about he's a drag queen. Oh my god, we're gonna have a fucking field day. Okay, moving on to highlights of quotes. The lesbians, of course, were on point this episode. We got some drama and some great acting from the two, especially Tessa Rowe. Because damn, she had some hard emotions, especially was talking to her friends about it. That was sad. And honestly, the actress who plays Fern, the scene where she was talking to the Green Ranger, she was great in as well. Jacqueline Joe, I think her name is, yeah. And she ain't. They're so good. That's some really good casting. We, of course, got our happy ending and it got me in the feels. I just love how they're treating this relationship, too. It is, like, the best written relationship in this show ever, probably. And this season was nominated for a GLAAD award, so I hope they win it again. They won for the first season, right? Yeah, they did. I think they should win it for this season, because there's more. Yeah, they actually got to do stuff. This season had two episodes, and they were both great. Mm-hmm. The prom episode was so good. Ion tells the monster... Stay still! I'm trying to blast you! Mikas also calls the voids the greatest king and queen that ever lived. Agreed. Girl, not in the franchise that has Queen Banshira. Period. And Queen Machina. No. These other queens ain't got shit on Queen Banshira, okay? And the great Queen Warrior Bizarra from United We Stand. Oh, right. Can't forget her. Trakina was a queen. They don't call her Queen Trakina, though. It's not part of her namesake. Are we forgetting Astronema? She was the queen of all evil. She's not just evil. She's the queen of evil. Zato asked Solon to... Solon, can you send some sword vibes our way? Deploying vibes. What is a Zord vibe? I, d- <laughs> I don't know, but I love it. Ollie calls Void King and Void Queen the Voids, which I love and get shed on for it. Why would the Voids want the key? You call them the Voids? It's kind of catchy, right? It's like a band. An evil band. Shut up, Ion. You're laughing your ass at that stupid humor episode. He has no room to talk. He has no room to talk. The Void is a great name. You shut your mouth. Okay, so before we do episode 18, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll see you when we come back. Greetings, this is Davi Santos, also known as Sir Ivan of Xandar from Power Rangers Dino Charge, and you're listening to The Grid. For those of you who don't know, The Grid is a Power Rangers universe of a podcast available on all the different platforms. It covers basically every subject from the graphic novels to the episodes. You and the team are so passionate, it only makes sense that Power Rangers fans know about this and that they can enjoy it. Dino Charger, ready!
right, and we're back talking about episode 18, Guilt Trip, written by Maya Thompson, directed by Charlie Heskell. And this episode is focused on Ollie and his mama. Your silence is deafening. (laughs) I was hoping so. Civilian plot is Ollie and Neely are doing heterosexual things. Stop rubbing it in our faces. I'm okay with it when it's not forced down my throat. It's fine. I just don't want to see it. So they want to go to a haunted hotel with Ollie actually supporting her hypexation for once and not being a douchebag. However, he is a douchebag when his mom calls him because he treats her like shit the whole episode. God, he's just a dick. He just moved all the douchiness he did with Amelia the whole scene and just moved to his mom. That's your mom. If I talk to my mom the way he talks to his mom, I'd get slapped across the face. Yeah, my mom would whip my ass and I'm like a foot tall her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he flakes on doing work for her, and I'm assuming he's getting paid for this. Go senior calls. He even sends Ion in his place when she asks him to check on on a sporks beast attack in Japan. Why would a sporks beast be all the way in Japan? Good question. Dr. Arcana was hoping you could help her check it out. Me? But I got plans. Hey, we can postpone our trip. Japan, huh? Man, the food there is super great. Great food? In a cool new country? Why wouldn't you go? Well, Amelia and I have this big date night planned. Hey, why don't you go instead? You don't have to, Ion. Are you kidding? I'll definitely go. I love ramen, sashimi, and miso soup, I think. And yells at her when she calls him out on his behavior. What is it, Mom? Is everything okay? You've been kind of hard to pin down lately. What? No, I haven't. You used to call me every day. Now it's like tumbleweeds. You dodge my calls, too. Well, things are different now. I've got a girlfriend. I know, and and she's fantastic. I'm just asking you to be honest about that instead of trying to avoid me, which includes following through on your commitments. What commitments? The excavation simulations you sent me that were Incorrect. Your data input didn't account for rainfall like I asked. So you don't like my work now? I'm not saying that. It sure sounds like it. But here's a solution. Let's not work together anymore. Uh, what a little bitch this episode. I still love him, but Jesus. He does learn his lesson after Amelia, who guilt trips him for having a mom since their mom is like, at least you have a mom. My mom's dead. And one of a Dr. Akana's colleagues talks to him about how important it is that Ollie gets his work right so they can get their project started and they can get paid. Ollie then apologizes to his mommy, promising to find a better balance with his mommy and girlfriend, and also invites her on their little ghost hunt. So respect your mother well yeah you don't gotta tell me that bitch so on to the ranger plot the dino fury rangers gets words of sporks beast attack in osaka japan so ollie manipulates ion to go in his place by talking about food because ion's a foodie that's like his only character trait pretty much i mean same can't blame him. After what I assume is a food date with Ollie's mom, Ion crosses path with a Sporksby's sugar pit, whose power are desserts. Just throwing desserts. And this is where I would just take like a net 
and catch shit. Also, it's kind of weird to think about this monster's ability because he was made by a uh, alien race from 65 million years ago. What was the concept here? We can defeat evil foes with the monster that throws pies at people. Genius! Don't think about it too much. This is also the same universe where Coda's tribe catched a monster that had an ice cream cone for an arm, so I really shouldn't be thinking about this too much. Yeah, you're overthinking it. Typical. Typical Ray. But yeah, desserts. So that's right in Power Rangers wheelhouse. He loved to get messy up in here. Speaking of messy, let's talk about the villains. The Voids, who have gotten a key from Warren and Garcia last episode, initiate the next step in their plans, which is to distract the Dino Fury Rangers in Japan! Show up your hands, having fun in Japan, just fun, 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 fun! While Void King, Wreckmate, and Slither use the key to initiate a giant fucking drill, which they intend on using to break into Dino Hinge to steal the sparks. Also, the use of a giant drill for your endgame? Brock would be proud. How many fucking drills? That's a throwback. Unfortunately, the drill doesn't work, which Wreckmate and Slither hilariously have a snarky reaction to. Let's fire this up and set course for the sporics. The ultimate buried treasure. It's genius. This plan can't fail, but I'll uh, let you do the honors. Ah, uh, Master, the plan has failed. Oi, it's definitely run aground. <laughs> Apologies! Is this funny? Do either of you see me laughing? This key not working means we're back to square one! On to the comedic corner. Desserts! Desserts. Lots of fun, fun, funnies coming from desserts because this sport piece of the week likes to throw pies and cakes and pavlova at people. Pavlova in Japan. Dr. Akana gets some whipped cream on her jacket before all this is going down, which kind of looks like bird poop. Blech. And she licks it too. She's like, hmm. Ew. Yeah, she's like, it's whipped cream, guys. Jeez. Well, if I walked by seeing that out of context, I'd have been like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on in here on this day? Maybe I should just tweet a screen cap with no context to see how people react. Ion gets hit with a meringue. Dr. kind of dodges a pie. Mucus falls into a sponge cake. Void mommy adorably tells Mucus to clean herself up. She's a good mommy. Mm -hmm. The Hengees also have a fun little moment where like taking selfies in front of little buildings and stuff. They're tourists. I loved that. I love goofy foot soldiers so much. So let's talk about this introductions this episode. Our Sporks Beast of the Week is Sugar Hit. Voiced by Richard Simpson. Voiced Drachna Rock and Dino Fury. Galvanax and Ninja Steel. And Keeper and Dino Charge. Word. Everyone hates Keeper, I guess, all of a sudden. <laughs> Even Simon Bennett. That was discourse, yeah. He started that. A little useless, so. I like Keeper, though. I like Keeper. I like Keeper as a character but that suit should have been Xenowing we all know it I know I know we got less of Xenowing because of it you didn't need to create two characters for the same job mama word to your mother moving on to Easter Egg the haunted hotel Alia and Amelia go to the Stein Hotel is in Coral Harbor aka Beast Murphy Town Stein R.L. Stein get it well that's Goosebumps right yeah name a theme song that goes harder honestly even if the episode sucked you could pop your pussy to that theme song for five seconds you really could fucking for real alright Moving on to highlights and quotes. There's a funny scene where Ion eats some takoyaki on his food date with Dr. Kana and he goes, And I tweeted that, by the way. There's some cute back and forth with Mikus and Javi about fiber. Aww. Not this time, mushroom. But I wanted his pie. 
to Bran Flakes from Mucus. <laughs> Say what you want about Mucus, but I'm glad she's getting her fiber. It's important. <laughs> You'd know. The end of the episode is pretty cute. The Rafcon boys and the Garcia Sips are just being fat asses and have lists of Japanese food to test out. You need some brain food. And we're in Futopia. So you go get started. We'll be right back. <laughs> this is a chance for me to check off a few things from my Japanese food list. Let's see. Mochi. Odin. Rum. Coincidence, I have a list too. This was just in case I got hungry. Well, as team leader, <laughs> I say... It's ramen time! Me when I pull out my 50 cent pack of Top Ramen. My last note on this episode, you kept saying the monster's name Sugar Hit. I thought you were saying Sugar Pit. That's all. Episode 19, Bad Vibes. The plot is here, mama. Bad vibe! Bad vibe! Written by Johnny Hartman and directed by Charlie Haskell. And of course, the character focus is the Garcia fam because this is all about them. So the Savellian plot after Warden Garcia gets home from Chump Drillin, Mama Garcia reminds the Sibs about their annual karaoke party to their frustration. We also learn that karaoke was how they've responded since the Sark Garcias are a blended familia. So after some water hose shenanigans with Papa, Mom and Dad suggest they come <laughs> with something else with them asking their teammates for suggestions with Ion suggesting they do something they did on Rafcon and Zeta's like here's a fun family activity let's hear it every harvest my family went tree climbing on Blorka what is Blorka? it's was an island on Rafcon very pretty trees a mile high but it got ravaged by Sporex and destroyed by Zed thanks Ion <laughs> <laughs> Way to be a downer, Zato. Jesus. I know I was saying, like, it should have hit you harder, but here? I'm in place. So after turning evil, yeah, they turn evil. We'll talk about it in the Ranger plot. They are used as a distraction so the voids can do their thing, backtracking on doing karaoke to distract their parents long enough with the family bonding, breaking the evil influence over them. You get a little cool little montage of them being supportive. Aw, we love the Garcia fame up in here. They are pretty cute. Especially after uh, Warren Garcia's stuff, you douchebag. It still creeps in there, though. From time to time, but he's generally more supportive of his children. Yes. Javi, really. But the vents while they were evil are conveniently erased from their minds. And I guess they're okay with karaoke now because they were just five in karaoke after their evil spell was taken off of them. Moving on to the ranger plot, the Garcia Sibs are turned evil thanks to a device made by Void King, with them first being used as insiders to get the sporks from inside Dunahans, but that fails. So then they use plan B's to get the passcode for the drill that's been so important the past couple episodes, succeeding when they get it out of... The their father, which is zero, three, one, two. <laughs> Here we go. Zero, three, one, two. March 12th, that's today. Zero, three, one, two. You're using our family day as your passcode? Aw, that's so sweet. 
while the other Dino Fury Rangers fight Nalai and the Sporks Beast of the Week named Clawfair. They succeed in destroying both of them, but end up losing all the Sporks in Dino Henge when Void King breaks and attacks Solon, who is distracted by a crossroad puzzle. I guess that'll do that to you. Those are so distracting. I guess so, shit. Can we just, like upgrade the security Dino Henge and Cosmic? Cause Jesus Christ, what is this? The sixth time someone broke in? <laughs> yeah, for real. Onto the villain plot. Void King is being a good husband to his wifey and presents to her a Sporks Blaster. Because you've been so bad, my queen, I've brought you a gift. Mmm, flowers, jewelry, a chihuahua. Even better, a new weapon. Oh, now that is romantic. This is the Sporks Blaster, charged with some Sporks energy from our machine. Remember what it did for us? One energy burst took you from tortured traitor to exquisite evil. This has potential. A device charged with Sporks energy to turn the Dino Fury Rangers evil. Evil! Wreckmate is sent a distraction. Matey! Arg! Beep, beep, beep. Arg! Beep, 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 beep. Ahoy, matey! Beep, beep. For that, you'll walk the plank! <laughs> While Nalai literally just jumps off the side of a building and blasts the Garcia Sibs, turning them evil. They then present themselves to Void Queen, who is loving this as much as we are. We tried to steal the sporks, my queen. But the rangers stopped us. Please forgive us. They really are on our side. Superb! These sporks are my precious children. You'll find a way to bring them home. Don't let me down like everyone else. To be fair, we've struggled because this drill key turned out to be a dud. No, it'll work. You just need the warden's passcode to go with it. A passcode? How are we supposed to find that out? Leave it to us, my queen. I love this. Onto the comedic corner, Jane overhears the Garcia Sips talking about karaoke and decides to host a karaoke party. So of course, hilarity ensues with them making awkward puns and whatnot. Nikas was also a cornball this episode when she was trying to remember the passcode to the drill, which was so hard for her numbers. Aww. Onto abduction, Spore Speaks of the Week, Clawfair, voiced by Andy Faulkner, who voiced Deadwood in Dino Thunder, and Typeface in Super Ninja Steel. We also have two new power-ups that have been not used by these rangers before. So Emilio uses the Smash Battle Armor and Zato uses the Dino Master Mode for the first time. What was that? Sorry. I swear to God, Austin! <laughs> I swear to God, I will end you! I'm kidding. You're like, Megan, you're gonna rip my fucking head off my neck. So no Easter eggs, but we do have some highlights and quotes. Warden Garcia calls Void Queen, Void Queenie. Well, any issues after your key got stolen? Nope, this new one's doing the trick. And besides, it's no use without my passcode. So no way Void Queenie or whatever the kids are calling her is gonna get her mitts on it. 
which made me exclusively call her that ever since. So that's why I've been calling her Void Queenie this whole episode. Queenie! The Garcia Sibs being evil. Oh my god. They were so hot. That's bisexual rights right there. Oh, oh yeah. yes. I think the quote is be gay do crimes. Is that the quote? Yeah, something like that. They really handed up this episode, putting on evil voices with Void Queenie and being over the top while trying to act like themselves. Per also Javi's evil voice. Mr. Krabs. Oh. Basement is flooded. Gotta go freshen up the downstairs. I liked that Zato got to shade Wreckmate with his pirate puns. Like, run, landlubbers, before I make you walk the plank. <laughs> what plank? The famous pirate punishment from the movies. I don't know what you're talking about. Every day for him is talk like a pirate day. We get it. This is where Null Eye dies. No! No! He was in four episodes, one of which he didn't talk, so three episodes, and he left such a big impression. He was hilarious. He had some good quotes, like, in this episode, before he was destroyed, he said, Well, I had a good run! Yes, you did, baby. He just wanted to get his steps in for the day. Damn it, you didn't have to kill him. Just trying to get his steps in for the day. Fuck, what an asshole. Speaking of a pun, Amelia had the greatest pun to come out of Power Rangers. She said to Clawfair, That coat makes you look like a doctor. Oh, girl, you got him. Snatch his whole fucking wig. Ollie did the most heinous thing he's done all season. He shaded Void Queen's dress. Don't even joke about that, Ollie. Yeah, that dress is like the best thing that came out of Tokyo yeah fuck out of here man okay so on to episode 20 the invasion written by guy langford cameron dixon and no i himself steve mccleary and directed by craig wilson this had three writers damn i know which is kind of weird because a lot of this episode was fight 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 yeah so the character focuses the raconians onto the civilian arranger plot after getting all their sporks stolen from void king unidentified ships begin to land around pine range which are later revealed to to be Ravconian ships. We meet a group of them, mostly masks, except for a female Ravconian named Aurea, who is fierce. Gotta love that blue hair streak. After Zato tests to see if Aurea is legit, because we've been down this road before with Slyther, remember that? No. Yes. Thank you, Amber. You could have just said yes, Austin, damn it. You think I'm gonna remember something? Uh, you got goldfish brain, I don't blame you. Aurea catches the Dynafury Rangers on what they've missed on Ravcon the past 65 million years. Apparently, the surviving Ravconians hid Rav Rafcon somehow and became nomads and scavengers to help rebuild Rafcon to its former glory. After catching both sides up on recent event, Aurea's like, hey, thanks for the invite to Earth. We're gonna take it over and slave its people because humans are trash. I think this planet might be the home our people need. Humans and Rafconians living together? Sharing is the Rafcon way. You think they'd share their home? Humans take their planet for granted, poisoning it fighting amongst themselves. What a tragic waste. Uh, that's not exactly- They're greedy and selfish and incapable of working together. They would never choose to help us. If we need this place, we have to take it. These vibes aren't good. What are you getting at? This planet deserves better. Under our leadership, the humans could be controlled and the Earth could thrive once more. You want to colonize Earth? Now the vibes are terrible. The humans are not as bad as you think. The Knights of Rathcon are sworn to help their people. Or are our legends wrong? There is nothing honorable or knightly about taking someone else's home for yourself. It is not the Rathcon way. Maybe you're the selfish ones. 
The decision is already made. Join us, or it will end badly for you. So yeah, the two sides are not having it. They're about to fight in Dino Hinge until Void Queenie releases all the sporks piece around Pine Ridge with the twos being like, okay, truce. Let's do some fighting. While this is going down, however, Oreo witnesses humans helping each other with Pop-Pop in particular, saving Oreo from a sporks piece. I guess that makes Oreo think that not all humans are trash, I guess. The man just saved me. You still want to take us home? Maybe I was wrong about the humans. They're... Not what I expected. They were out here today, planting trees. Huh. Yeah, they surprise me every day. We can all help each other. You might be right. The evacuation is taking too long. The warden is asking for help. My people will do what we can. Thank you. It's the Rafcon way. Immediately, just resolving that. I'll talk about this later. Comparing her to another character that had the same kind of story, I feel like this is handled better than that, but we'll get to that in a minute. But speaking of Pop-Pop, he gets injured and Amelia just subtly reveals her identity to him, taking off her helmet, giving us like the only helmetless shot this whole season and teleports him to Dino Hinge to heal. With Pop-Pop revealing some facts that her parents were aliens in prison in Area 62 before the episode ends when it seems to be like pop-up dying oh no all right on to the villain plot boy queenie who finally has every single sporks releases them all across pine ridge having them attack different parts of pine ridge in teams Where i love when they just whip out all the monster suits for like multiple attacks that's like my bread and butter i love when they did it in ninja storm i loved it when they did it hard. jungle fury <laughs> i love it I love it when they did it in Countdown and Destruction. Much Amber. You were just going. I was like, it makes your nipples hard. <laughs> okay. Sure. One team includes a new Sporks beast named Crash Flood, who eventually grows in order to break a dam to flood Pine Ridge for Void Queenie, fighting and getting stopped by the Dino Fury Rangers, while the Ravcon boys fight Wreckmate. Arg. Kill that bitch already. Crash Flood ends up failing, but Void Queenie still loves her baby very much. She even says that. Don't worry, darling. I still love you very much. <sighs> and the battle continues into the next episode. Comedic corner. Jane had a moment at the beginning of the episode where she calls Amelia about the aliens, where she says, I need your up-close eyewitness account. <gasps> if they say, take me to your leader, bring them to me. But if it turns out they're evil, just take a message. Pop-Pop is, of course, a goofy goober. He fights the Sporks Beast with the greatest weapon possible, a shovel. Classic. Can't go wrong with a shovel. Mucus wanted water wings because she doesn't want to drown. That's a valid point. Some introductions. Aurea, the Rafcon warrior, played by Brooke Peterson, who was also in Dino Charge. She played a cyclist. A cyclist? Oh my god, Brooke, girl. I see you, Brooke. I actually looked at the episode. She's in world famous New Zealand and it's her. She just has blonde hair instead of brown hair. The Sporks Beast of the Week, at least new ones anyways, because like Smash Bros, everybody is here. Crash Flood. He's voiced by Dallas Barnett, who's voiced a few monsters in the past. Voiced Mantropolis and Ninja Storm, the Magnetron and Dino Thunder, Megahorn and Mystic Force, and Dumbbelltron and Beast Morphers. It's convenient his name is Crash Flood and he was gonna flood the dam. Aren't all monsters? Monster is just convenient monster names. Ninja, who is he? Hunter, what does he do? I kind of feel bad for the Sporks Beast of the Week because he tried to have like a personality and stuff, talked about himself, but everyone was like, who cares? Especially Izzy. The Rangers have some new friends, but so do we. 
Meet Crush Flood. I'm gonna. We'll skip the formalities. I practiced a speech. Some Easter eggs. Javi name dropped Zed, Galvanax, and Dendrix when they wrap on shiplands. People sure think Galvanax was more menacing than he actually was. Jesus. Galvanax didn't do shit. I know, but apparently people think he was cool enough to name drop all the time when we got to talk about villains. What I still don't understand about Ninja Steel is Galvanax was like the champion of Galaxy Warriors, but what do you do to become the new champion? I don't understand. He's just a poor Rangers, I guess. But he didn't defeat Rangers. How did he become champion in the first place? Or did he just make the show and say he is the champion? Did he raise up to ranks he also just had that little champion belt but there was nothing on it until the finale of season one where he took the power star so i'm just like if you beat the rangers do you get to fight galvanix for champion or is it like a legacy thing where it's like he's the second champion i don't know it's ninja steel it's confusing shocker I started to ramble. <laughs> I'm like, why are we talking about Ninja Steel? It's objectively not great. All right, let's talk about some highlights and quotes. When Zato asks Ori about her ignoring his call, Izzy says, Here on Earth, it's a little rude to leave someone on red. Also, Zato's really trying to make the Rafcon way happen this episode. Sharing is the Rafcon way. It's not the Rafcon way. It's the Rafcon way. I get it, Rogers. You watched Mandalorian. Slather says, I do love a grand finale. It was really cool seeing all these old monsters come back. Some had little cute references like one of the stone triplets were wondering where his brothers were. And the fight choreo of this episode was which makes me hopeful for Cosmic Fury getting all that original footage. This season like that shit on the roof. Oh yeah, that was slay. That was so fucking sick. I was like, what the fuck? And like the POV shot of uh, that monster fighting the rangers. Let the stunt people just be absolutely fucking insane, please. I hear mowing. It's not mine. What do you want? just <laughs> <laughs> fucking mouthing little shit. Yeah, she's got some attitude. So let's talk about Warrior's quick redemption. It was so quick. It was so fast. They should have introduced this like two or three episodes ago. That feels like the kind of thing that would be an arc. We shouldn't have had the filler because we had stuff we probably could have introduced a little bit sooner or introduced it or maybe he sees these things and doesn't admit that humanity is trash until the end. Even just one more episode, they could have showed up at the end of one episode and then the next episode is about her being like, we're going to take over the planet. And then by the end of that second episode, they're like, actually, just kidding. But I do think comparing her to Princess Vieira makes sense because she kind of had a similar plot. But unlike Aurea, she was a literal dictator. In the name of the Lion Galaxy, Lord Drillion and I will destroy the Power Rangers, as I will all enemies of my kingdom. I will not fail. That belonged to a family that enslaved people. <laughs> Her family literally sold Mick to Galvanax when he was a kid. Or and we don't talk about that enough, I don't think. We really don't, because Vera had to do a lot of work to undo that a little bit. Yeah, her redemption goes way too quick. She goes to Earth, has Drillion fight the Rangers, and then she's completely changes her whole mindset after one little thing. Sarah saves her from falling off a building, and is like, my whole life view has changed after this one little event. And I'm like, really? I was sent here to prove my strength by destroying you and your fellow rangers but you've shown me that kindness can be just as powerful forgive me if i don't just jump in and believe every word you say girl if i was falling from a building okay and sarah is the one to catch me i would jump out of her arms and hit the ground <laughs> yeah i'm gonna fucking eat myself into the cement anyone else on that team i'd be like mm, my hero <laughs> 
Yeah, but honestly, Aurea did this for her people. She wasn't evil. So I can give it a little leeway, but it could have used maybe another episode or two. Yeah, it definitely could have. With Vieira, it was way too fast. And maybe we could correct that. Maybe see her in Cosmic Fury, because I'm sure they're going to go to the Lion Galaxy in an episode. Well, they have to. Aren't they getting Kelson? Yeah, he didn't say he was coming back. Or he's rumored. Yeah. yeah he's rumored to be on it. Lastly, Tudor boot the Rathcornian Warrior's armor. Boot. Boot, really? No hesitation. They look like motocross gear, girl. It's trash, mama. <laughs> I bitch needed a helmet, though, because it looked like that fucking neck piece looked like it was gonna be a helmet. Moving on to episode 21, our penultimate episode. The truth. Written by Alwyn Dale and Beck Barnes and directed by Pookie himself, Simon Bennett. Pookie. I'm telling you what, these titles are starting to sound like fucking Animorphs. Amelia grows antenna this episode, so... Character focus. Amelia. Civilia plot. Coming back from the last episode. Pop-Up is dying, y'all. And after dropping that Amelia was a little alien baby, she tries to get Pop-Up to stop dying. Stop dying, you son of a bitch! It spill the tea! Shaking him until she gets a vision of the past. Seeing a young Pop-Pop, who's just a janitor, getting handed a young Amelia by her parents, who are hidden in the shadows, but we can totally see them. Like, they didn't hide that at all! So yeah, uh, Pop-Pop gets handed a young Amelia by her parents. So he starts yeeting out of Area 62 because I guess there's some, like, nuclear things happening. So things explode. He thinks her parents are dead. They think he died and Amelia's dead. So they both think they're dead. Pop-Pop calls her Nugget and promises to take care of her. Aww. And I'm not sure if this was ever talked about but this also reveals that pop-up's not biologically related to amelia's no shit what oh my god it was never mentioned this whole season that she was adopted they are led to assume that it is her grandfather that was them trying to hide yeah he was hiding it they were like oh yeah this janitor suddenly adopted a kid it doesn't sound as if it's like oh my actual children passed away in an accident here's my actual granddaughter it's too on the nose i'm glad they didn't say that either because sometimes power rangers likes to spoon feed us well they showed us they showed the vision we didn't need that to be told to us earlier in the season like when she started talking about her parents she didn't say she was adopted they didn't need to mention it I'm glad they're letting their audience actually put shit together. So good on you, Power Rangers, Dino Fury. She then grows Antenna, revealing that she is a Rafconian. And you know what? The first clue would have been that she was touching Pop-Pop and got a vision, which that just went right over my fucking head. It really did. It didn't me. Shut up, Bray. You're like, "Mm, girl, I called that. Mm." Let's be real here. The second Pop-Pop said, When Amelia was a baby... Her parents were lost in some pretty mysterious circumstances. And I promised I'd look after her if something ever happened to them. Wow. I guess you never told her about that promise. I'm like, okay, the, the lady in the tube and Void Knight are her parents. Yeah, but did you call them being Rafconian though? That was the goop I was telling Austin. I was like, fully called from the very beginning once they, once they even mentioned Void Knight being a dad. I was like, okay, that's Amelia. That's Amelia, 110%. But did not even suspect Rafconian. I was like, oh, she's an alien. We've already established there's other aliens. Okay, cool, whatever. So yeah, Amelia's Rafconian. After finding out she's Rafconian and that her parents are aliens, she's all gung-ho about finding out more about her parents so gung-ho. we just watched that mighty warp an episode <laughs> yeah i wrote gung-ho in the notes <laughs> so in the middle of a city-wide sborg's beast attack and void queenie wanting to kill all of them this is the perfect time to go to area 62 and find out about her parents because when is there a better time well she's the main character 
So So while the Dino Furies are actually doing their job by fighting off the Sporks Beast and a giant wreckmate, Arg, Amelia goes to Area 62 to find out about her parents, fighting Slyther, who is disguised as Warden Garcia, using his shape-shifting powers for the first time in God knows how long. Amelia Jones. Who's there? You're trespassing. Warden Garcia? Sorry, I know I'm not supposed to... Hold on. Aren't you supposed to be evacuating the city? Oh, I, uh, I am. I'm just on a coffee break. Underground. Without coffee. Ah, forget this. First of all, Slyther is barely in this second half. What the fuck? I know! That's my biggest complaint, to be honest. Yeah. Hashtag word Slyther. And getting her ass kicked by him until the other rangers show up after making Rickmate walk the plank. Finally. Rest in peace, matey! The Dino Fear Rangers also learn that Area 62 is the villain base, and Amelia learns the real identity father, which we will talk about in the villain plot. Who could it be? I don't know. I'm talking about in the villain plot. It could be anybody. The Sporks War continues with Void Queenie using Buzz Blast livestream to reveal our ultimate plans to everybody. Hello, or should I say goodbye? Hope you've been enjoying my revenge, because every moment my brave beasties grow stronger with destructive power, which I will use to end all of you! Now, my sports, it is time! She does her own stunts and her own special effects. That thing needs a close-up. And she, like, flashes the live stream by lifting up her dress. That was so cunt. And then sporks fly out. I kind of want to do an edit with the Roxy wig reveal from Jaggery's. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly just opening for dress and then the floor come out and she's like, yes, bitch! <laughs> and Michelle wags her finger. That would be funny. So Void Queenie uses the sporks that she got out of her cooch. <laughs> her cooter. Her cooter. And um, it forms a cocoon around herself with the sporks. Also, the droid sporks going to the coon after they're destroyed by the Rafconian warriors or the Dino Fury Rangers, which will essentially cause the entirety of Pine Ridge to be destroyed when it hatches. So yeah, after this, Wreckmate is like, Arg, matey, I'm gonna destroy y'all. But the Dino Fury Rangers is like, nah, we're gonna kill you. So he's on the chopping block. Bye. It's like the 10th time you've died. I'm surprised he lasted this long. We thought he was dead after one episode last season, and then he came back in like episode three, I think, of this season, and he's just been around this whole season. Pushing out his pyre puns every time he can. I appreciate the hustle though. So Slyther also gets some action before disappearing to unknown parts. Bye King. After Slyther exits, the Dino Fury Rangers are just walking around Area 62 until Void King traps Amelia in her own spook snare, but not before Amelia grabs him and she gets a vision from him where we learn that Tarek is Amelia's father. You saw my memories. I saw yours. My child. The explosion. You were lost. But you were here. All along. Pop Pop kept his promise. And loved me like I was his own, but... I've spent my entire life searching for my parents. You... You found us. What's happening? Is it Sparks energy? 
All the hate. The anger. It's gone. I feel like myself. I have to say it. I have to say it. Hashtag recalled it. I'm gonna punch you in the throat. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, Tarek's immediately father, so we go into Backstoryville, where we learn that Tarek and Centura were two Ravconian scavengers that crashed on Earth and were found by Area 62. They get imprisoned by Area 62 higher-ups, because the government, because humans are trash, and they trap them for God knows how long, until a day where I guess an experiment goes wrong, causing the base to be evacuated. And then we see the whole flashback thing from Tarek's point of view, where Tarek gives a young pop-up their baby before Centura is injured by some falling rubble and then we get the explosion so santora assumes her baby is dead from the explosion our baby did she they couldn't have survived that no one could have the humans did this they must pay that's sad. Yeah, very sad. And oh my god, the music! Oh, the music is epic. There's literally like a chorus singing in the background. And then she's like, humanity is trash and I'm gonna make them pay for killing my daughter. Period. I support this, yeah. Yeah, it's like gatekeep girl boss. So this is where all the pieces come together. Tarek puts Santor in her stasis pod and finds all his swag. It's SNM Lube with a Dino Knight Morpher and Key and Kuroba Fury Saber. We also see him make the Sporks Machine and build his Void Armor. We then cut to the beginning of the season where we get all our little hints of the Amelia reveal with the epic music. This reveal also turns Void King back into Tarek happily reuniting with his daughter before they remember oh yeah we gotta stop your mom from destroying the planet on to the comedic corner jane has a cute little moment while they're talking about the evacuation plan turn card over we also get the ranger hotline jingle five 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 oh one seven two the rangers will come and help you poor stan has to leave his potted plant mr leafy at buzz blast hope he doesn't suffer the same fate as spot rest in peace spot mikas gets to direct void queen's announcement which is always something she wanted to do so i'm glad she did considering it's the last thing she did before just getting destroyed and becoming a part of void queen's cocoon that had me gagging i was like no i heard you in my head when i was watching it i was like austin scream when we watched this the first time literally both of us were like no i was channeling cassie from power pink she also says trouble is what that thing is because void queen's cooking up into something really Actually, she never told us what it was, but I bet it's something really nasty. Cause she's the best mom ever! Famous last words. So some Easter eggs. Jane mentions evacuating to Carl Harbor, aka the Smurfist Town. I kind of wish we saw some people in red Battle Force uniforms helping in the retreat. That would've been cool. Hell, could've seen the Beast Morpher Rangers show up in suit, helping fight some Sporks Beast. Those literally could've been empty suits, I don't care. Some highlights. The Amelia reveal this episode, and the whole season actually, was handled really well. Mm-hmm. It was just a great slow burn of little pieces coming together, and I think it was so satisfying. So let's talk about those little pieces. You see Pop-Up mentioning her parents being lost in a mysterious circumstance. I mean, the second he mentioned Area 62, we knew. I assumed maybe Pop-Up was Tarek's father or something. If you found out that Pop-Up was an alien, would you be surprised? No. Uh, no. 
the whole Eric and Santora dynamic and how they talk about losing a pressy thing without flat out saying they lost a kid. They just say they lost something precious to them. Very smart. Amelia wished to see her parents in the Wish Charm episode and she thought she didn't see them, but they actually did. Pop-Up mentioned last episode that Oreo's antenna looked familiar. I didn't even catch that last one, to be honest. We learned about Rafconian antenna this episode, learning that it's kind of a puberty thing. Ion was a late bloomer. Aww. Izzy got to sit in the throne in Area 62 because all the queens this season get to sit on the throne. That was pretty cool. That was funny. Now this is a throne. Speaking of Area 62, I really love how important it is to the story. It's not just some random ship or cave or building. It's important to what happens to the characters. I feel like this is one of like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably will be. I cannot think of another instance where the villain base related so much to the plot and was actually important. Um, Maybe the Moon Palace, because the Moon Palace had the cave with the Zeo crystal underneath it. Sure. That's the only other one. The Cryo Prison, I guess. That affected the plot, yeah. That's not done a lot, and I really like how important that was. Javi has a cute little moment where he's talking about the cocoon popping like a balloon. Can we try to move it? Or maybe pop it like a balloon so it deflates and it goes... My bad. Popping like a balloon that's going to kill the entire city and wipe it out like a crater, but yeah. Oh, and I didn't mention this in the notes, but Dr. Akon is in this episode. It's always nice to see her. And her and Solon are on first name basis because someone calls her Lonnie. They're dating. <laughs> okay, guys, we're finally on the last episode. <laughs> episode 22, The Nemesis. <laughs> Written by Becca Barnes and Alan Dale. And directed by Pookie himself, Simon Bennett. Pookie. The character focus is everybody, but mostly Amelia. It's her show. It's her world. You're just living in it. The Dino Fury Rangers and Tarek need to stop Void Queenie, who is Amelia's mother, by the way, from using the Sporks cocoon to destroy Pine Root. So Tarek volunteers to use the Void Knight armor. Yes, Void Daddy, to teleport the cocoon out of town. Kendrick's get out of there! Get out of here! <laughs> he succeeds in doing this, but ends up destroying the Dynamite Morpher with the cocoon hatching into a giant Sporks beast. Void Queen controls call the Nemesis beast in a big, meaty cockpit! Girl, every time it opened to show her in the center and then close, I was like, <laughs> and like the, the sound effects were like squelching. I was like, oh my God, stop, stop this. Well, I mean, it's a rib cage, So I guess it kind of makes sense that it's icky like that. Kind of, but oh my Lord. So we burned some Sentai Zord footage before getting a green screen foot soldier fight on the Nemesis beast with Amelia trying to get through to our mother, but to no avail. Zato, oh my God, then makes a noble decision by using the Dino Master Saber's ultimate attack. Remember that? So Zato performs this attack which looks very gorgeous by the way very colorful and destroys the nemesis beast goodbye old friend that was fucking so sad <laughs> and i just have to say right here before zato does that attack all the rangers are trying to get through on the little thingy they're not using their zords they're themselves scaling this fucking thing that was so fucking cool it was cool but that footage i swear it made me dizzy it made me so dizzy it was something that power Rangers doesn't really do though that's what i liked about it so much they're experimenting and it wasn't just a Zord fight, which you were like rolling your eyes when those Zords showed up. Especially for a finale, them just fighting the main villain hand-to-hand -hand combat, it makes it more personal. I hate Zord footage. I hate it. I don't love it either. 
most final battles should just be original. Yeah, I don't want no final battle to be a fucking Zord fight. I think that's lame as shit. And Beast Morphers did that. And it was lame. Okay, so Void Queenie is still kicking, though, wanting to still kill everybody until she gets the good touch from Amelia. How did she survive that when that whole sword's purpose was to kill your enemy? Um, it killed the Nemesis Beast. She wasn't connected to the Nemesis. So oh, oh, oh. Okay. One enemy per use, I guess. And technically, they weren't destroyed. It was just killed the nemesis bees. The spork still survived. Right. I mean, they're indestructible. So she gets the good touch from Amelia, which burns all the sporks energy out of her, and thankfully tames her lust for wanting to destroy humanity. I was wrong. I was so wrong. What? I'm. You're. My mom. I have missed you so much. I never stopped looking for you. <laughs> so after a Void family reunion, the rest of the team is like, hey, um, Zato's dead. I think the saddest reaction was Ion, because they were the closest. And like clockwork, the Morphin Masters show up after all the hard stuff is over and scoop up all the Sporex. Into a little crystal. They crystallize the Sporex. The Dino Fury Rangers ask if they can do them a solid and revive Zato, but they're like, nah. Your mission is complete, Rangers. Not with Alzado. You saved him before. Please. He sacrificed himself for us. And the whole planet. We know your leader meant a lot to you. Zato truly was a great ranger. He's not here anymore. But he's not gone. He lives in your hearts, your memories, and in the grid. What does that even mean? Period. So they leave with all the Sporex. Or do they? And the team can resume their lives without Spork Charmer with a familiar green slime ball scooting away. Onto the epilogue six months later. So we see what everyone's doing. So let's talk about Ori and the Rafconians. They decided not to enslave humanity, but they did decide to stay on Earth with the rest of them living in Area 62, starting up the events of aliens live on Earth in SPD, which is set in 2025. So we got two more years to have a lot more aliens moving to Earth. Maybe the next season we'll post more alien colonizing. Onto the voids, Santor and Tarek, who are just like they just came back from Hawaii, are also living in Area 62. Kind of weird considering they were in prison there, but whatever. But hey, they have a new baby on the way because the actress was actually pregnant when they were filming this. That's a way to do that. And trying to decide on what color name after PR Cities to paint the crib. Any other requests? Yeah, some help on a decision over here. I like Briarwood Green for your sister's crib. But honey, Corinthian sunset is so much warmer. No, no, I painted dozens of cribs. Ocean bluff blue is a color babies love. Ollie and Amelia, still dating, I guess. That's about it. Yawn. Izzy, she graduated high school and plans on going to Oakdale College in the fall with Ferd. See, I told you they're moving in. Lesbians move fast. Emphasis on plan. Ion opened a cafe in the same area Buzzblast is and came out as an alien to everybody since he's just rocking in his antenna in front of everybody. Where did he get the funds to open this? Good question. I know he doesn't have a credit score, so there's no way he got a loan. Jane and Jay Borg plan to open a second Buzzblast location in a filmier town and are last seen eating flargan cake. 
I want to have that taste. It looks sour. Lurgan. Sour? It's cake. It looks like Funfetti. Javi, just living his best life, hearing other people cover his music. Enjoy that now, because you're in for some loss. And by loss, I mean your arm. Yeah, you're going to get your arm fucking chopped off, girl. Slither and Mucus. So these two ended up surviving. Yes. Whew, I was worried there for a second. I'm like, I knew Slither was probably going to survive because he just disappeared. But Mucus, when she got into that cocoon, I was like, you better not kill that sweet little baby. But they're thriving and surviving and opened up a circus called Dr. Sly's Magical Mushroom Circus. We see a poster of them in their human form. Love it. So everyone is thriving and surviving until Solon tells them to teleport to Dinohenge, where this ghost energy begins to form in the base. However, it's not a ghost, but a ghost ranger, and it's Zato in a new suit. Let's talk about the suit. Boot. Boot so hard. Immediately. I've never booted so, so quick. <laughs> I'm not even really giving it that much of a chance. I'm like, boot. So yeah, it's a white version of the other suits, but the lightning bolt in the middle is red, and it has a cape. So it's clearly taking inspiration from Shishi Orion from Cure Ranger. I have shoulder pads in the same red helmet, which kind of looks weird. Should have been a white helmet with a red visor. That would look so much better. I agree. But I get they probably did it on the cheap because they didn't know what they were going to get what they got. I literally think change the helmet and take off the shoulder pads and it is completely fine. The shoulder pads look like they took fucking foam on set day of and cut it out and then just stuck it on. It's like one of those really bad Power Rangers cosplays where people don't really know how cosplay stuff works and they just make it with like 10 bucks in a dream it was definitely made on the cheap well there's a way to make something on the cheap and still have it look good you just barely tweak it they could have just done a white repaint and called it a day i'm just glad they got those new suits because the zenith ranger looks a lot better it does. So yeah, Zeta was back, revived by the Morphin Masters to recruit his former team back to Ranger Duty because Lord Zed has escaped his crystal imprisonment. Who would have thought? I never would have guessed. The season ends with them teleporting away to deal with that mess. So yeah, this isn't the end of the story. The Dino Fury Rangers will be turning for a 10 episode season dealing with Zed and getting new powers in the 30th season. Titled! I was telling Amber off air before we started that they should have had little text like chase into space to be continued next season. Power Rangers Cosmic Fury or something. I would have loved that. That would have been so good. That would have been cute. Honestly, with like all the Easter eggs they were doing in this. Talking about Easter eggs, let's talk about the Easter eggs we got. We got some paint names after Power Ranger Cities. Briarwood Green, Mystic Force, Corinthian Sunset RPM, Ocean Bluff Blue, Jungle Fury. I think Ocean Bluff Blue is my favorite. I like Corinthian Sunset. That sounds like a drink can i get a corinthian sunset please not like you would order it right oh that's more me in austin can i get a coke zero jane name drops angel grove where she says she wants to open up buzz blast angel grove where i tweeted this earlier today when we were recording this a fun thing they could do is say that they opened a buzz blast in the old building that of the youth center in it that would be cool i don't know why that popped in my head but i thought that would be a cool idea because you like callbacks i do love callbacks she loves a callback don't call it a comeback call it a takeover remember when we did quotes that was one of mine that was one of your quotes oh yeah was that one of the housewives things yeah speaking of quotes let's talk about highlights and quotes i think this was a satisfying finale i enjoyed it oh, we got drama green screen action aware are they now epilogue and a cliffhanger for next season however i did not think this was better than evox unleashed no evox unleashed is literally one of my favorite finales ever period that 
episode killed steel i literally went through the five stages of grief watching that episode really traumatizing yeah steel is become one of my favorite characters in power rangers period and we knew nothing about that episode nothing we knew nothing we had no idea if he was gonna come back we had no idea he was gonna become human i was fucking sobbing and i never root for the rangers to defeat the villain but after evox killed steel i was like get his ass kill him drag that bitch i feel like zato's sacrifice was kind of a little ruined by the fact we knew he was gonna come back in cosmic fury i think there was no impact for me at all honestly i think this is what we talked about before recording but i was like yeah it kind of cheapened the whole thing just having this big goop reveal in the middle it's like oh yeah all the cosmic fury stuff and i was like you should have waited until the season dropped and then after that revealed it because then that would have been like a huge goop but also i would have held on to it until it premiered to be honest they announced it at the end of august this aired in october they could have waited another three months yeah especially since the new season's not going to air until fucking fall they weren't gonna hide the fact that the team was going back to new zealand to film shit honestly there wasn't that many spoilers from this second half of the season that came out and they were filming a lot on a soundstage one yeah we already knew he's coming back for cosmic fury but two that suit was leaked everywhere the ghost ranger suits i knew to expect that at the end of the episode so when zato died i was just like i know he's gonna be back in like five minutes yeah that was like the one spoiler we got from international spoilers which we don't have to worry about anymore thank god it's a global next folks exclusive now so that'll be nice it doesn't stop other leaks but whatever that was a bit of a downer i just didn't feel any impact from that yeah it just kind of felt kind of cheap it cheapened it for sure after we knew but i feel like maybe if we didn't know it would hit harder but we did so we can't really go into that just comparing that to steels like that hit us so hard because we knew nothing we didn't know he was gonna come back speaking of zato though we got some little references to past episodes with Aww. him he says, cool, 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 yo. He says, goodbye, old friend to the T-Rex champion Zord. That was fucking sad. That's what got me. That was fucking sad. If that shit would have happened with fucking Tyler and fucking T-Rex, I would have cried. If he said, goodbye, little Rexy. Goodbye, little oh. Rexy. No! My Rexy, ah! By the way, the reason this is a callback, he said, hello, old friend, when he first used the T-Rex champion Zord. <laughs> ah. Hello, old friend. Goodbye, old friend. Why don't you just take this Chromo Fury Saber and stab me in the face? My Kokoro is Brokoro. He also said smooth before he puts on his helmet at the end, which he said during the first team morph. Yes, that was cute. And honestly, I read this note as he says smooch, and I was like, where does he say smooch? <laughs> I also like the little cliffhanger at the end, give the lead into Cosmic Fury. Good thing we actually got Cosmic Fury because they did not know we were going to get this. So it would have been awkward if they filmed this and they didn't get one. That would have been very weird. I think they probably would have changed the ending, I'm sure. Okay, so that's the end of our Dino Fury Season 2 Part 2 review. This is usually where we'd announce our retrospective for Dino Fury, but considering that Cosmic Fury is on the horizon, we're just going to wait until that airs to do our retrospective. 
Yeah. And just talk about all of Dino Fury and Cosmic Fury. That's a lot easier than just waiting. We'll do a review of Cosmic Fury first and then a separate review. Yeah, we'll do that like maybe a few weeks after Cosmic Fury airs. And then the first episode we do in 2024 will probably be the Dino Fury and Cosmic Fury. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap this shit up? I think this was a strong group of episodes. It started off a little slow. 12 was me. I got there. You can kind of tell by the way I was reading stuff. 12 and kind of 13 were kind of a uh, little slow i think those were the slowest of the batch but once the rapcon shit started that's when banger after banger after banger honestly yeah i would have liked to see more slither i, I am a little bummed that especially because i feel like slither aside from scrozzle slither would probably be my favorite campbell cooley villain and, and we just didn't get enough of them we didn't never enough of the ones we really love ranking them i would say slither scrozzle snide cosmo Melkor. yeah i would agree with that just really king shit honestly yeah, I would have liked to see more of that. I would have also liked maybe more balance with focus. Because again, Ion got nothing really. Goals are almost always my favorite exclusively. I feel like I don't know him, but he was there for a while. And I still don't really that much more about him. Like, I really like him. He's a good gold, so definitely still on the list. If I had to compare him to like Ivan, I'm like... Oh, there's no comparison at all. Hopefully, maybe in Cosmic Fury, we'll get a little bit more with him. I really hope so, because we just got nothing. There's gold stuff in there we don't get balance but maybe they'll make ion more fun i liked ion more in the second half than the first half some of his episodes in the first half they were very cringy but he was a lot more likable in the second half and he had a lot of funnier moments i don't even know what i would have wanted from him i just want to know i feel more like he got him. left behind a lot yeah his plot stuff was kind of just looped into zetos with rafcon and stuff to be a little controversial yet brave i think javi also got some of that treatment too ion and javi were the two background characters like everybody else got pretty good amount because Ollie got the stuff with his mom. Amelia got obviously all of her stuff, which is great to see a pink take a lot of focus. And then Zeno is the leader so he still got to do stuff. I could say he's probably on the lower end of the top ones and then Izzy too. Javi and Ion? Javi's stuff was just music. It was kind of one note as well. There was some good shit with Warden Garcia which that's good. Like old father, son. And that was one of the best episodes was when he confronted them. So, playing guitar is more important than my once in a career award ceremony. I, I had to play with them. The Rangers, son, they... if you don't want to support me, just say so. You're such a hypocrite. Excuse me? You want me to support you and your medal? But you don't support me at all. Obviously, it's drama, but I think that was good drama. I think the problem with Javi is that his story wrapped up in, like, episode 10 of the season. His whole conflict was with his dad, and once that was resolved that he didn't have anything else i want to see more like i love these characters i wanted to see them do more but all of the focus went to amelia once she whipped out that fucking manila envelope she's like okay this is the amelia show now get in line power rangers amelia fury like i said don't get me wrong i love that a pink is taking that kind of focus because that never happens since like time force she basically was just the entire main character and then obviously her becoming red it's like okay so she's going to be the center of attention apparently which i guess is fine i just hope that they give good reasons for amelia ascending to red obviously she's gonna be the leader of the team but i don't want her to be the main focus of cosmic fury because she got the main focus of dino fury at the end basically her story is resolved she found out she's an alien she's got a family she's gonna have a little sibling that's great i love that i love she's got a story it's just there's still like two other people who didn't get any i mean granted they're guys like whatever but you know her story is done we have 10 episodes and 
six rangers that's my concern it's 10 episodes i'm just worried that it's not gonna feel balanced it's gonna be more of a story driven narrative more than just characters growing because they've grown already so this is kind of more like i mean they still have room to grow let's also be kind of honest about it okay so javi is getting his arm chopped off maybe because he's got a middle arm i hope it's not real because that boy doesn't need any more trouble and then ollie is rumored to turn evil again and then other rumors going around is that heckle is coming back as the dark ranger my pussy's hard and then slyther and mikas are gonna come back somehow too that's another rumor as human forms in the end or something and lastly due to behind the scenes photos and water bottles we're gonna get our first orange ranger there's an orange suit it's probably gonna be based on like the dimension zord or something because that's an orange zord and we're going dino here let her be a scorpion okay fuck speaking of her though it's gonna be fern based off water bottles i really hope they give her a skirt i hope so too but they don't have to. no they have to they have to because she wore a dress and she's the more femme girly which izzy was not so character wise it would make 100 percent sense for her to have a skirt versus not i'm pro skirt i'm gay i love skirts on the girlies so i like them to have a choice but i like a mix yeah i also love skirt ripping too that was iconic that was a slay and i think that's it for rumors for cosmic fury yeah the nate coming back thing was kind of debunked just said allegedly we don't know. Allegedly. It looks like this season they've been doing a really good job of filming on sound stages. Yeah, they moved film studios. So they went from a studio west, which they've been filming since 2004, to like some brand new studio. So there hasn't been a single leaked photo, except for stuff that were filmed by the actors accidentally. We only know about the Orange Ranger because Russell Curry accidentally posted a photo with sketches in the back and we saw an orange helmet in one of the sketches. The thing is, though, is that they did have room to look at that shit because they had all these suits and zords from Gear Ranger. They had a shit ton of colors they could use. It makes sense that maybe they're playing around with all the different ones they could have possibly come up with. I would love to see a purple. That would be nice. Give Tarek a new suit. Hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Make him, like, Ryu commit. Oh, my Oh my God. He just turns into the furry. I think there was a sketch with the Void Knight armor on it, so maybe he'll be back for this. I'm gonna continue to be sad about it. I don't love the Ryu soldier suits as much as I like the Gear Ranger suits. I really dislike the disconnect between the helmets and the bodies of these suits and i'm just like these don't mesh i know it was the direction that's what they were told to do so i can't blame the designer our track record in the u.s of original suits and power rangers is not the greatest i mean we did get titanium and the spirit rangers from jungle fury and those look great the 2017 movie suits no ma'am the zord no ma'am there's a lot of pros and cons it's it's the 30th anniversary so them doing original gives them so much more leeway they can do whatever the fuck they want on the ground there's a reason why javi has the middle arm he has that guitar weapon that's really cool it's only 10 episodes so it's a shorter amount of footage for them to make at the same end though the con is they're wasting key ranger footage just for zords they wanted space and they just wanted their zord footage so i guess this is the monkey's paw wish we got we got a key ranger adaptation it's just that it's just zord footage it's almost shitty as the gokaiger one because it's like oh yeah let's have this really cool pirate theme but not mention the pirates whatsoever and just make them a power up for the ghosty 
procedure suits. Those suits didn't fucking need any of that because they're fucking ugly, dog. If I get a Juoger adaptation after this, I will not say another bad word about Cosmic Fury. It's what I deserve, honestly. I don't get to have balance. So eat shit. There were so many robots. You never know, Amber. There was that card game thing. Yeah, but I don't trust that shit. It's a fucking card game. There was a character with Raptor's head on it. You never know. We could have Raptor show up in Cosmic Fury as a random alien. She better not be a random alien. She better be a girl boss. She's the daughter of Poissandra. Oh my god, I would love that! That would be something to get me to kind of forgive them, is if they added in Raptor and be the daughter of Sludge and Poissandra. Going back to Dino Fury, though, I did like the second half of season two more than the first half. I like all of Dino Fury as a whole, but the first half of season two was very... Some of it was filler until Void Queen showed up and then it started doing stuff. Nothing happened until the last two episodes or something. Void Queen became Void Queen in like episode six. I know, but even after she showed up, it was still mostly filler. She carried it, though. I love my Power Rangers filler. You know, some of it wasn't the best, but... You're not gonna get that in Cosmic, so enjoy it while you can. We got filler with these characters, so that's fine. Did all the tropes. Teamwork, body swaps, the whole nine yards. The body swap was my least favorite episode in both seasons. Unfortunately. Sadly, that's my favorite trope. Wasted potential, to be honest. Yeah, it could have been way better. There were still some funny moments in it. And honestly, I I feel like the humor in both of these seasons was just fantastic. I was laughing my ass off rewatching these episodes. Yeah. There's a few jokes here and there that don't land or it feels weird and forced, but most of it, it was really funny, genuinely. Some of the jokes, it was like girl time and place. There's stuff going on. I did not mention this when we talked about this episode, but in the invasion, Ori's like, I'm going to enslave humanity. Iron's like cracking jokes in the background and I'm like, time and place place yeah but for the most part it really lands and the cast is what really sells it because if they got anyone else to do it honestly i feel like it wouldn't have gone off the way it did they definitely struck gold with this cast that's for sure that's probably why they got a third season to be honest yeah honestly no other season got a third season except for mighty morphin i'm happy that we're getting more with these characters it was nice to revisit these episodes and i'm looking forward to revisiting them again when we eventually do our retrospective it's been a long time coming to review this episode because a lot of shit went down when we were trying to review this and it's good that we waited because i think we came back at a good time we needed a break so are we good now i'm good now yeah okay Alrighty, guys that's the end of this episode 160 we'll see you next time for our big 10th anniversary spectacular but until then everybody say <laughs>